Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, these MLS games have caught fire over the last couple of days. I think it has been really just like a buildup of, okay, now teams have kind of seen how everybody else is playing and we're getting to see some second games now. But I thought today we saw some of the best games that we've seen in the tournament. Yeah, we had 10 goals today, 13 yesterday. And in addition to those 10 goals, some really nice games. First in the morning game, we had the Seattle Sounders versus the Chicago Fire. Chicago winning 2-1 to in that one. Then in the evening games, we had NYCFC versus Orlando with Orlando coming out three to one winners. And then the last game, the late night game was the Philadelphia Union versus Inter Miami with the Union winning two to one. All right, Joe, we've got a lot to dig into. Should we start just chronologically go to the first game of the day? Let's do it. So that morning, that early morning game, Chicago versus Seattle, it sort of had a strict pattern throughout most of the game with the Sounders playing and possessing the ball in their fluid four two three one. They had Christian Roldan back in the center of midfield today, as opposed to in the first game when he was out on the right side and Jordi Delem was in midfield. But it was that 4-2-3-1 largely possessing against the Chicago Fire's 5-3-2. There were no goals in the first half, but then the second half comes out and the Fire get a goal with Berich in transition. Then we get a Seattle equalizer through Bawana, and then Pineda gets the, the game-winning goal in the 84th minute off of a set piece. Jordan, I really did enjoy watching this game. Yeah, what about it stuck out to you? Because we've seen... Seattle play now this is the second game of the tournament we've seen Seattle play and this group a little weird right Mm -hmm. because second game we've seen Seattle play the first we've seen Chicago play and we have yet to see Vancouver play I don't know if that's ever happened at any event ever it's strange yeah yeah it's, it's a really strange setup for a tournament but what what did you like that you were saying here Joe today this morning I talk so much about center backs, and I don't want to do that. I mentioned it there on the goal because I do think that was an important part of Seattle's goal in this game. I want to talk about Seattle's fullbacks. I've got one thing on each team. In Seattle, I do want to talk about Nuhu and Kelvin Leerdam. The way that those two players contribute to the Sounders' possession is really, really important to how that team is structured. So Brian Schmetzer will push his fullbacks high. Oftentimes, that means it's Gustav Svensson dropping between the center backs. They'll split wide. The, the fullbacks will then push high as a result of that. In this game, we saw Nuhu and we saw Leerdem making plays, cutting inside onto their weak foot, weak feet in this case, I guess, <laughs> cutting inside, switching play to one another or slipping in. Leerdem slipped in Rui Diaz behind the back line for a really nice chance, I believe, in the second half of this match. The way these two players impact the attack is not something that I've noticed before from the Sounders. And I think it makes a big difference for how this team possesses and makes them more dangerous in possession. I have noticed, especially Leerdom, right? Because he's the one out of those two who's more consistent with the way the Sounders do play. And he is a player that if you look back at a lot of Seattle's goals, I would... I would bet that he is involved in heavily in a lot of hmm. them. I remember uh, last year him being a part of goals and games that I called for the Colorado Rapids because he's willing to get forward. But it's not just that, too. When, when Seattle's possessing, I feel like his timing in getting forward is just right in order to keep the pace of how they're moving um, up the field. Yeah, I mean, we talk enough about the attacking players for Seattle, Lodero, Morris, Rui Diaz. I wanted to give the fullbacks some love because I'm naturally inclined to give center backs love. So I got to spread it around the back line. My one thing for Chicago in this match is Pineda, the central center back in this 3-5-2, 5-3-2, you know, whatever you want to call it. He's a young-ish American 
center back who can play and step forward into midfield as well. His role in this Chicago team is fascinating to me because he does sort of oscillate between that central center back spot, that central midfield spot. He's got good passing ability, good comfort on the ball. He can dribble forward. He's You can tell he's a midfielder and has played there in the past. Mm-hmm. And he's got great defensive mobility. He snuffed out a number of different Seattle attacks ranging out from that central center back spot. Rafael Vicky has got a good one in the middle of his back line. I was surprised to know that he's such a young player as well. Hmm. He seems like he just fits right in seamlessly and you wouldn't like there's nothing about him that you would look at him and be like, oh, he's clearly doesn't belong here. Like he seems, especially on that goal late in the game, he popped up and that's like a he seems so cool and collected at the back post saying like there's no chance but me for me to score this goal so I would agree with you and it gives you a chance to shout out a center back absolutely I gave it to the fullbacks first then we hit the center backs Jordan that is our quick deep dive into that early morning game let's move on to the first one of the evening Orlando's 3-1 win over NYCFC Jordan Orlando City is fun now is that a question? Is that on the teleprompter question it's, mark? It's, I'm, confu- I'm confused. <laughs> I know. No, I kind of am too. And, but I'm not at the same time because we talked about this, what, back in January when we were talking about Oscar Preha and coming in and who he is as a coach and the culture he creates. And I feel like it. And I also talked about Urso and how I felt like he was going to be a really key player for Orlando, adding a bit of grit, but also uh, this feistiness and possession that Pereja likes in his team. And I was really impressed by the three midfielders for Orlando. I was impressed by them and just their ability to come out right at the beginning and set the tone. Hmm. I don't know if we've seen a team do that quite as they did. I think I wrote wow down in my notes for Orlando City in those first five minutes. I mean, the way Pereira, the way Yuri, the way Urso were moving the ball in that in that 4-2-3-1 for Orlando that's flexible and those three players moving, sometimes interchanging and shifting from side to side. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I, I loved it. And uh, I started to think, too, my first thought, I guess I would say, is Orlando looks like a team who plays in this type of game a lot. You know, they're one of the only teams who plays in this temperature at an 8 p.m. kickoff pretty much week in and week out. And so when you're talking about something that's not different to them, well, this isn't different. It's not different from Houston. We saw them come out and play really well from the start of the game as well. Like that does not affect their mentality, which I think is key to how they came out. Orlando City come out strong in these first 10 minutes. They get the first goal from Chris Mueller off of a a set piece from John Moutinho. That puts them up 1-0. Then in the 10th minute, Juan gets the ball and crosses it into Dwyer, who heads it to Mueller at the back post with a lot of NYCFC ball watching, I might add. But a strong start from Orlando City at the beginning of this game. The start was strong. So not only was it that intensity, the ball on the free kick was won by Pereira, which... You mentioned he was one of those three players that was just setting the tone. So he wins the free kick. Mueller scores the goal. And he was like tripping when he scored it. (laughs) The athleticism of this kid. I want to call him a kid. I don't think he's that young anymore. Like he's been in the league for a few years, but he still has that um, youth. He has that youth mentality. I think he scores the goal. And then I want to talk about a couple of moments that happened right after that goal before the next goal. And it, refers to New York City FC. So they were awful at throw-ins on the right (laughs) side. 
Yeah. Did you know I was going to say that? I didn't, but I, I I noticed that as well, yeah. Oh my gosh, Tanner Holm gave it away nearly every time by just not throwing it all the way to the person in the air or throwing it at an awkward place for them to try to receive it. So right before Orlando scores their second goal, there is a throw-in for NYC in their defensive third. And Tanner Holm throws it back to his center back, and it bounces right before him at this awkward angle. And Nani's like, okay, we'll go press. Well, what happened is Nani wins the ball. He plays out through Jao Matinho. And there's a combination between those three midfielders, which ends up being a shot by Urso. Okay, fast forward a little bit. This is what I'm talking about. Tinnerholm, again, throws the ball. And this time in their attacking third, the ball gets turned over. And here's the goal, Joe. Every single player on Orlando that played um, in the outfield, you know, minus the goalkeeper, touched the ball on that second goal. Hmm. I mean, when you're talking about a team goal, when you're talking about how do you build a goal up from one side, drawing players in, shifting to the other side, using the channel, dragging players across the, the face of goal and the goalkeeper to then bring it back. Like there were so many good points that happened in that goal and it happened really quickly. I just... That's my favorite run of play goal I see I've seen in the tournament. We had some good ones today. I want to yeah. I want to stick with NYCFC. We've talked okay. about Orlando to build this up and you you started ragging a little bit on NYCFC and I want to continue that trend. The lineup that Ronnie Dalla came out with, yes, no Maxi Morales. He seems to be injured and it's not likely we're going to see him for the rest of this tournament. But they come out in this 3-5-2, a shape that they've never played before under Ronnie Dyla, which is not saying a lot. But I don't think they played it under Torrent either. They come out and they look discombobulated offensively. They don't know where to pass. They don't know how to move. And they don't know how to press either. Off of that throw-in when they lose it right before Orlando's second goal, Castellanos, Eber, Medina, none of them know what on earth to do. They're looking around. Castellanos, I think, throws his hands up in the air or, or at least shrugs his shoulders. He is baffled. None of these attacking players for NYCFC know what to do, and that allows Orlando City to break through them, move the ball to the other side, and that eventually leads to the goal sequence with the cross from the right wing. It was a really bad look for NYCFC in these first 30 minutes. It seemed like they, yeah, it was off, and and that might be it. I, I We did see him play a little bit with a three, like a three and a five back against Columbus earlier in the year, but granted, oh, they were true. down a man. That's true, they yeah. were down, but they were down a man, right? So th- even that way, it does shift into a little bit different of a way that you press because you're not pressing the way you would when you're even numbered, right? But I do agree. It for for me, in New York City, it just lacked the passes lacked sharpness and crispness, and I, I literally wrote down, "It's not sharp enough." And, and credit to Ronnie Dyla because he did change into the the four four two. Not that much of an improvement, but it helped. He got that rocket of a goal from Jesus Medina. That might be my favorite goal from this tournament in terms of pure technical ability from yeah, one single beautiful. player. But it doesn't matter. Orlando City is up still two to one at halftime. Tesho gets a goal in the second half to make it three to one. Orlando City deserved this victory. They got it, and they're on. They're advancing from this group. They are, and I just want to say one quick thing about. NYC really quick is I think Medina had a great game and he's been so up and down with this squad right and not had has had some troubles and I felt like he was the one in the midfield that you could count on to get the ball and try to connect I I don't disagree with you at all him taking on more of a central role and he shifted out wide again after that switch of, of shape largely but that has been an interesting move for him because he didn't have a lot of success out wide at first during his time with NYCFC Jordan, you got anything else on this game before we move on to the last match of Tuesday night? 
Yeah, I just want to talk a little bit more about the midfield of Orlando <laughs> because I feel like they played such a good game and it can't go understated. The movement that they had off the ball kickstarted everything. And I also felt like they, that Nani and the outside backs had a role to play in that as well. Sometimes Nani was on the left, and I don't know if you noticed, but sometimes he was on the right. And those midfielders, when he was on the left, the midfielders would work and attack together, but shift their shape over to the right side of the field, right? Almost if you cut the field in half vertically, they would be on the right half of the field and Nani would be all the way over on the left half, like staying out, trying to utilize the space out there. This allowed for not only 1v1 matchups for Nani in the channel, but it also allowed for Jao Moutinho to come inside and be that outside back center midfielder <laughs> playmaker, playmaker type that we, we've seen with various teams. I liked this look, but then when you, they switched it to the other side and Nani was on the right, Nani played more, a little bit more inside and he let Huan take the channel. So I really liked how they changed what they were doing, not only Nani switching the sides, but how they utilize the best qualities of each outside back when Nani was on that side as well. That's a great point that you highlighted. Well worth it. And I appreciate you you gushing a little bit about Orlando City because they deserve it from this game. Yeah, they do. The last game is the Philadelphia Union's 2-1 win over Inter-Miami. Jordan, we had Miami controlling a lot of this game with possession in that 4-2-3-1. We saw Figala, center back, at right back in this back four. Yeah. He's, he's played a, left, a left-sided left center back and a back three, and now he's playing all the way on the right side. That just, that intrigues me. Yeah. But it's it's often Will Trap dropping between the center backs in possession. Then you got the Union on the other side of things playing exactly how you think they would play with Santos in the lineup instead of Ilsinho. Jordan, I thought the Union looked a lot better in this game, at least than they did in that first match when I asked you, did the Union do anything right tactically? Um, they were at least improved. Overall, a relatively back-and-forth game. I, I really enjoyed this game. And it's interesting, before we started recording, I was telling you, like, my eyes were drifting to Miami in this game, and you're like, oh, I was actually watching more of Philly. So for you, what do you think Philly did that was an improvement from last game to this game? The Union seemed more aggressive with a lot of their challenges. There are so many sequences where... It was one or two Union players bearing down on a single Miami ball carrier and closing the space and just getting tight and not allowing that person, that player, to dribble forward or move the ball at all. That's one thing. Then the other thing is being dangerous in transition. Both of their goals came from attacking transition moments. Mm-hmm. In the fourth minute, it's it's Brendan Aronson who eventually gets behind the back line and dribbles in. The ball bounces around a little bit, and it's Kai Wagner who hits it from outside the box. And then late, later in the game, at least in the second half, it's Kasper Shabilka who takes advantage of a really nice double dummy from Montero and a ball across the box from Aronson in transition. And then Shabilka hits it with his left foot past Luis Robles. It's, it's those moments that the Union were lethal on tonight that we did not see them take advantage of nearly as much against NYCFC. Maya, young player of the tournament, sure is looking pretty good, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong about that one, Jordan. Brendan Aronson did a lot of nice things in the game today. Yeah, I the one note that I had on Philly is I think there were questions, you know, who's going to be the bottom of that diamond, right? Hmm. And Martinez is, I I wrote down, he's a a wildcat, but... (laughs) I also feel like he's good for Philly if he can keep his head in the game. He kind of goes rogue sometimes, and that can be a suspect, right? And I, it's very 
I feel like un like the Philadelphia culture that they have. It's very against who kind of who they are, but that little bit of grit might be what they need. Um, I just liked the way that he was defending. So I really noticed it in the last probably half of the second half. And when Uyoa or Trap would get the ball and Philly was in their 4-4-2 block, it seemed like Martinez, if those two holding midfielders, if one of them got the ball, Martinez was okay to go step to that one of those players and almost leave that pocket of space in front of the center backs to say, okay, it's more important for me to get pressure on these playmakers than it is to occupy the space right now. And it kind of was similar to what Houston was doing, right, in that low defensive block. But then I felt like if Pizarro came out of that pocket and tried to playmake um, in that space in front of the midfield block, he would let Pizarro go. Because he was like, one, Pizarro's better on the dribble when he's coming at you and you're trying to go defend him hard. So I'll just let him play out there. I want him out there. I don't want him behind me in the gap in between me and the center back. So I found that really interesting and intelligent the way that he was defending. That's very smart. That ability to recognize who he's defending in each moment and adapt his game accordingly. I think he goes off in this game with an injury. So hopefully we will see him back again for the union before this tournament ends. Because I have also enjoyed watching the craziness, the the smart as well. You've got the smart, the spiciness, all of those things wrapped into one. And that is Martinez at the six for the union. Mm -hmm. Jordan, what do you see from Miami in this game? I, I actually thought Miami... Did you think Philly was the better team? Because I thought I don't Miami know. was I'm the not better sure team. I, I, I'm not sure I thought either team was better than the other in this game. Especially in the first half, I thought Miami was the better team. I thought Miami did a lot better job of occupying the space. So when Philly plays in a diamond, there's space between the back line and those two, like, tucked in midfielders right on mm -hmm. the wings yep so that space in there i th felt like they did a really good job and when they lined up the graphic showed a 4-4-2 but they didn't they didn't play a 4-4-2 right pizarro was they were playing a, a 4-2-3-1 which actually looked like a 4-2-4 a lot of the times because they were pushing so many numbers up and i really liked pizarro in a playmaking role we've seen him as that target number nine and I actually thought that him having the flexibility and freedom to just go get the ball wherever he wanted to really allowed Miami to give get a little bit of flair about them and connect to the lines a little bit better. I was all about him in that spot. I want to see Miami so badly with all of the pieces to this puzzle. Yeah. Every time I see them, we didn't see Pizarro start in the first game of this tournament against Orlando. He starts in this game. That's one step closer. We saw Carranza start as the number nine in this game. That's one step closer. I want to see the rest of the moves from Paul McDonough brought in and have this be a full-strength team with the back line sorted out and the midfield upgraded a little bit and maybe an attacking player out wide. I need to see the rest of the pieces here because I agree. The foundation that Diego Alonso has built in these first, what is it, four games now with Miami? Mm -hmm. We can see the pieces. We can see the tactical pieces, the on-field pieces. But the rest of the personnel is still is still missing. And I, I'm waiting for the day when it's all finally meshed together. Yeah, and I think especially when you think about how Philly scored those two goals in transition and really the center backs just got roasted on that second goal. You know, like the the player retreating. And it was off a it was off of set piece, a corner kick. What they yes, transitioned. That's correct. Off of? It was a set yeah. piece. So um off the top of my head, I actually don't know who the player was retreating and trying to get back. It could have not been a center back. I think but. it was Ben Sweat. Okay, there we go. I just feel like if they can sure up that back line, 
Pizarro showed tonight that I actually think he's one of the best players. If he has pressure on his back, he can do just about anything with the ball. Like, I feel like he almost thrives in that position more than anything. And I think that having him in that free-floating position where he can connect the lines really helped them, and it's something to build off of. Jordan, we've got to talk about this Inter-Miami goal. Oh my gosh, I wrote, what a freaking goal. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the 36th minute. It ends with Pizarro putting the ball in the back of the net, but it starts on the other end of the field. Miami win the ball deep on their left side. The Union, with that diamond, with that front two, try to pin them in towards the sideline. But Miami escape. The the great escape from that little area. (laughs) Morgan then carries the ball forward in sort of the right channel. He and Pizarro combine. It's a beautiful piece of combination at the top of the box. Morgan then plays it wide to Pellegrini, who squares it for Pizarro, who then scores it to tie things at one before, again, they concede later in this match. It is a beautiful, beautiful goal. I actually wrote down, too, one of the things I noticed, because there was so many good things about it, like the dribble drive in midfield creates just a decision for the defenders, I think, that is really good by Morgan. But Carranza, if he doesn't make the near post run there, it doesn't drag that central defender out of the space where then Pizarro actually ends up taking his next touch and scoring. So I think people will miss Carranza's help that he like he didn't really do much in that goal right but he did provide a decoy that opened up the space and allowed Pizarro to finish and uh, it was it was a thing of beauty between that goal from Miami the the team goal from Orlando that you detailed Seattle's goal we didn't spend much time talking about it but really lovely movement with Ariaga dribbling forward and Morris making a perfectly timed run in behind the back line from the inside to the outside and then squaring the ball across the box to Buana so many lovely lovely goals today Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say he was in that Man City zone. (laughs) I should have. I used up my Man City quota yesterday, I'm really sorry. Yeah, you did. You're out, Buzz. Um, (laughs) No, it was, you're absolutely right. I think today, yesterday and today, like I've been pumped about this tournament, and I think that these last two days have been long, right? If you're working in soccer and you're watching all these games, they're long days watching all of these and trying to... figure out what you can get out of them. But the games have given like an extra jolt of life. And I, I really have enjoyed those last couple days. No doubt about it. Jordan, the last couple days are over. We'll be back again tomorrow with more analysis of the MLS's back tournament. Yeah, one, one and only game. Well, we're going to talk 20 minutes about it. <laughs> I like it. Jordan, thanks for joining me. Listeners, thank you for listening. And we will be back again soon.